Lamentations chapter 3, and then uh, we'll read verse 18. We'll read verse 18. If you're familiar with this passage, it is a book mourning about the punishment that God has given to them. That entire book is dedicated to people who are suffering the punishment from God. And I'm not talking about the righteous suffering. I'm talking about people who deserve justly their punishment. So if you're depressed or discouraged about the hard time you're going through and you attribute it to your punishment, then usually Psalms and Peter is not the place to go. If you read Peter, it'd probably discourage you, you know. Happy are ye when, you know, you suffer, when you suffer for righteousness sake than for wrongdoing. And then you're like, well, that don't encourage me. <laughs> Lamentations is your book. I would encourage you to read Lamentations in that sense. All right, we're going to look at Lamentations chapter 3, and then uh, we'll read verse 18. And notice that the prophet Jeremiah, he mourns about the state of his people and the pain that they're going through. And it's not like he's crying for righteous people. He's weeping for wicked people. <clears throat> the Bible reads, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering mine affliction and my misery the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence, because he hath borne it upon him. He putteth his mouth in the dust, if so be there may be hope. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Look at verse 39. Verse 39. Now there's going to be a lot of reading here, but it's a lot of good reading that I want you to pay attention. Alright, don't just read. Look at verse 39. <clears throat> Wherefore doth the living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayers should not pass through. Thou hast made us as the offscuring and ref refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare is come upon us, desolation and destruction. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission till... Till the Lord looked down and behold from heaven. This is Jeremiah's lamentation and his cry of the people who suffered the punishment of the Lord, which I hope will make you seriously reflect on your actions, but also be encouraged. It is hard to be encouraged in punishment. It's one thing to be encouraged during suffering and trial and hardship, but it's another thing to be encouraged when you're going through the pain that you justly deserve. This is a sermon that helped me, and I hope will help you. The title of my message today is Cry of the Punished. Let's pray. Father God, fill me, Lord, and wash away my sins with your blood. I mean, that's all I can cry, Heavenly Father. I don't know why you would use me every day, but you're using me. So this is the only vessel that you're using, Father, for today for these people. Would you use me and fill me for thy glory's sake? And will these people, they'll be able to be encouraged through the pain that they're going through. Anyone who has messed up in their sinful condition, I pray that they will be encouraged to repent, to keep their life clean, and to always wait on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Now, it might not really apply to you today, but I know it will save your life in the future because it saved mine many times. Uh, you know why I'm still preaching to you today? I trust in God. I trust and believe on Him. I trust in His grace and His mercy. There were so many times I could have died a long time ago, but God, He keeps using me. And I hope that you'll be encouraged. All right, let's look at verse 24. Verse 24. And my first point is hope in our portion. Hope in our portion. We're going to look at verse 24. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Uh, you have to realize that God is your portion. And because He is your portion, you're supposed to have hope in Him. Now I know there are times that you get discouraged and you feel depressed and you feel like you deserved what you deserved and that's the reason why you stopped your Bible reading and your prayer life and stopped coming to church and then just let everything fall to pieces. But you should have hope still. Look at verse 18. The Bible says here, And I said, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. You feel that? That's how you feel, right? Uh, keep reading here. The Bible says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Boy, that sure feels like you, right? My soul hath them still in remembrance. Wow, it's like a traumatic thing and then it would be edged in our minds and it cannot go away. How long have some of you been saved for years, years, and then that old nature comes back out again and you thought that you got the victory over it. Verse 21, so what do you recall in your mind? Not, verse 20, that's not what you remember. Not the pain, not the sin and uh, the misery and all that. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is what? Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Boy, that's an amen right there. That's an amen right there. You know why you should have hope? Because the Bible keeps reading, because His compassions fail not. Now I know you feel like that you want to give up and you feel like that you're going to about to throw in the towel and just die. You're just going to die and everything's the end. But God tells you, have hope. I mean, if you're the one telling yourself that you have no hope and this is your end, guess what? God never told you that. That's you telling yourself that. That's you convincing yourself that. And that is not God. God says, have hope in me. Don't perish. Because why? Because of verse 22. If he really, truly punished you on what you justly deserve, guess what? You should have been blotted out of existence a long time ago. Amen. None of you, not even myself, would even be in church today. But why would God in His incredible grace and mercy allow us to come over here together and give Him glory and praise when we are so unworthy? Why would He still use wretched sinners like you and I? You know why? That's His mercy. You want proof that there is a God? I'll give you proof. You want proof that God is merciful to you? I'll give you proof your very living existence, that you're still alive. There's a famous uh, case where there was an atheist where he said, if there is a God, and you look at some of these debates, incredible atheists with all their intellectual knowledge, ready to debate, and they go through all the uh, theistic, theological, philosophical, scientific, rational, logical arguments, debating back and forth. And it's so amazing, before every debate, I see these atheists always go up, and they have the audacity to say, you know, if God just uh, sent, sent down lightning from heaven and killed me, or, you know, just had the roof cave in over my head right now, then I'll believe right here and there that there is a God. And obviously nothing happened. But then one Christian said about one atheist who said that to God, he said, he just proved God's mercy right there. You know why there's a God? His mercy on your life. That you're still living and breathing. How many people have known of stories that they could have died a long time ago, but some miracle happened. Some miracle prevented them from dying. And some of you know that you have friends and loved ones and people who died earlier than you, and you see them drop dead left and right next to you, and they probably live better than you, and you live more wicked than them, but you're still alive and they're dead. So why not be encouraged that that's God's mercy on you? So why are you discouraged over your punishment? Why aren't you seeing His mercy? His mercy. 
If you look at His mercy, then you wouldn't be depressed. You really don't know His mercy because write down every time God showed you mercy. Think of every specific thing where God has been merciful to you and then you'd realize that the depression over the misery of God's punishment and chastisement in your life will diminish so much more. Psalms chapter 147 verse 11 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear Him, in those that hope in His mercy. Now, how many of you wretched, uh, wretched, rotten, wicked, I know you think you feel like the worst sinner in the world, okay? So I'm speaking to you. Yeah, you. Okay, I'm talking to you. So if you're the one that feels like the, the most wretch out of the whole bunch, do you want to please God? That's my simple question. You want to please God and you get depressed. Yeah, I want to please God, but hey, forget the but. Do you want to please God? Simple. You want to please God? Yeah, if you want to please God, then hope in His mercy. That's how you can please God. How about that? You thought that I'd say, quit your sin, get, and then finally get it over with, and don't do it again, and then start doing what's right. You thought I would say that. No! If you want to please God, hope in His mercy. Hey, let me read it again. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that not only fear Him, but also what? In those that hope in His mercy. How about that? If, you, if you're the one that says, well, you know, I'll never please the Lord because uh, I'm just so wicked and I'm so sad about I'm reaping what I've sown and everything's going on in my life, then guess what? Then uh, you're not pleasing God right now with that attitude. So you ought to wake up, get a grip on yourself, and then say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not dead. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're still using me on some things. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that you're still giving me these blessings. And that should make you more grateful of God's mercy in your life rather than depressed. How can you be depressed over God's mercy? Why don't you have hope in His mercy? If you want to please God, do you really want to please God? Then have hope in His mercy and you can start pleasing Him. If you say, I don't want to have hope anymore because I'm sick and tired of being punished, then guess what? You can't please God. Then you'll never please God. The attitude of, I will never please God and, you know, because I'm just so wicked and there's too many punishments in my life. I'm reaping what I've sown and there's no way that I can please God anymore because I just don't have any hope. And then that attitude is what's going to make you not please God. That attitude is where you lose hope. So basically, it's not the situation and it's not God the reason why you have no hope. It's you. You made the decision yourself to have no hope in God. If you look at verse 23, the Bible says here, they are what? New every morning. And that song, did you forget? Great. It's like faithfulness. Why do you even sing that? Do you know why you're singing that song? It's a representation of His mercy that you didn't drop dead and you didn't get extinguished in a hellfire a long time ago. It's because God's mercies are what? Made brand new every... Did you, do you believe that verse? Mercy made new every morning. Every morning. Can't you think about the past years that you messed up in your sin and every morning you see His mercy where He keeps you breathing? Where your health is retained? His mercy is made new every morning. I mean, if I make scratch, if I have glasses here and then I make scratch marks in my glasses, what happens? It ruins the brand new look in my glasses. And when I wear it, my vision and the things that I see cannot be unseen. Mm -hmm. That's good. But guess what? God, He can do the opposite. Whatever sin you deem to be unseen and it's permanent and it's a mark and like it's a traumatic remembrance like you might remember at verse 20. You know what God says? He forgot it. He, he just forgets it and then why? He makes it new every morning. If you would come to Him and confess it under the blood, if you would repent, you'd be faithful to do that even if the 50,000th time He'd do it. He won't remember it. You know, the thing is, you remember your sin better than God. Come on. You remember your sin better than God. 
If you repented, you covered it under the blood. Guess what? God's like, move on. We're good. Huh? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Let's go. Oh, I'm so weak and I'm going to mess up. Hey, I forgive you. How much louder do I have to say it to you? Forgiven. Now move on. If there's a problem, that's not your sin. It's you, man. You're the problem, man. You can't let the sin go and let God cover it under the blood and then just move on with your life. Now, if you feel like that, God is punishing you and you're waiting for that salvation, right? You feel like, I want to be rescued and saved out of all this mess. And, but guess what? It just doesn't come. If you're an addict and then you just mess up in the same sin over and over again. Guess what? You're hoping for that salvation. You're hoping for that escape route, that way out, that just one day you might just wake up and it might be all over, but it don't come. And you're waiting for God to get rid of that punishment finally. Finally, for God to turn the tide and answer your prayer and then pour out blessings in your life and just stop the punishment. And you want to be saved from that mess, that depression, that misery, that hard times that you're going through. And then that punishment seems to be never ending. And then you're like, man, this is never going to end. This is going to continue on forever. Remember this, without patience during tribulation, then you can't have hope. You know how hope comes? Hope comes from patience. Romans 5, 3-4 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience what? Hope. No wonder Jeremiah talked about hope when he was going through punishment. And Lamentations 3. See, you can have hope. And you've got to realize that you can develop hope through waiting. Hope don't come through immediacy. Hope comes through waiting. That's the only way. Hey, is, isn't that what the verse is? Romans 5, 3 through 4. How does hope come about? Oh, just automatically God gives it to you. Oh, it's just some kind of feeling when I'm going through hard times and I just have to feel it and just make it happen. And no, it comes from patience. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Why? Why do I have to wait it out? Because God wants you to live it. And when you live it, you have experience of what it's like an experience of how God intervened an experience of uh, other people's testimonies where you get influenced and change experience of hey bad things just happen I just have to go through it an experience of God making you live and breathe somehow through that punishment then what happens is you have hope That's good. and then when you have hope then you try to tell somebody next to you who's suffering punishment and pain of sin that, hey, you know, I went through the same thing like you did. So you'll get over it. Yeah. You'll get the victory. Uh, there is hope. And then the person, just like you back then, oh, I'll never get victory. And it's just so hard and no one understands my problem. You know, that's the problem. Everybody thinks that their problem is so unique and brand new that, not, that there's, there's a problem God just cannot give hope to. You're talking about the hope that gives hope to the hopeless. And God, He gives hope, but that comes through time. And when it comes through time, that's why you have to be patient rather than whine. And that's why you have to wait and trust in God rather than be discouraged and say and be a defeatist mode and give up. You got to wait. Why? Because God's hope don't come without a price. Hey man, if you as a bat, if, if good people, if good people have to wait on the Lord to get their hope at the end, right? Right? If good people have to do that, what makes bad people a very special exception better than good people that, no, I should get hope right now. I shouldn't wait. My goodness, the bad people should be the ones waiting at a longer line than the good people. So guess what? You better have patience. Have patience. I know you're rotten. I know you're wicked. But guess what? Good people, good people, good people are also waiting on the Lord. People who are better than you, who lived right, they're waiting on the Lord. So you as a bad person, why don't you just wait along with the rest of the people? What are we doing here at church? We're just waiting on the Lord. Everybody's waiting on the Lord on something. Everybody here.
So you're in good company. Just wait on the Lord. Okay? All right. Quit, quit your whining and wait on the Lord. Quit being discouraged and wait on the Lord and have hope in God. Because it's through waiting that God makes you experience some things that you didn't experience before. And then you start finally to learn. And then after through learning, then you gain hope. And then you share that with other people. All right. My, if you look at Ram, uh, Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 25 through 26, the Bible says, look at this. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that what the verse said? Wait. These are people who are under punishment. Bad people going under punishment. And God says, just to wait. It's good for you to wait. You know, just keep seeking after me. And don't lose hope. Because waiting means that you have a stronger hope. And God is good to those who wait for Him. You know why that uh, your good time didn't happen yet? The punishment did not end yet? Because the Bible says He's only good when you wait. Not like, oh, I, you know. Send me the good thing now. What? What are you talking about? You're going through something bad. You have to go through punishment. What are you talking about? So, the good thing can only happen when you wait. And you have to wait. And wait. And wait. And then the Lord will send you the good thing. That's how you do it. So have hope. Don't be discouraged. Have hope. Well, I don't see something now and everything's hopeless. That's your problem. You're looking at now. All you're looking at is now, 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 now. Guess what? When you live one million years up in heaven, what happened to now? Not even, not even in existence. You're going to realize how silly you were for thinking about now this, now that, everything's going kaput, and this is the end of my life, and I'll never serve God well enough, and no, I'll never win a soul to salvation, and I'll never read through my Bible even one time. Yes, I'm ashamed. I'm, I admit it. And, oh, and, uh, what in the world, man? No wonder there's no hope for you with that attitude. Because you're the one creating that, not the Lord. Yeah. What more can God do for you if you want to be hopeless? God's not going to force you to have hope. If you want to be hopeless, then that's on you. That's on you. You've got to wait. Hey, if you judge everything by now, 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 and everything that you're thinking and feeling and everything that's going on now, then you're not going to have hope. You have to wait. Now, second point is harsh in our punishment. Harsh in our punishment. Now, this one you need to hear, okay? This is, if you think, point one would probably be the most helpful to you, you thought. Uh, but this one's going to be very helpful. Uh, this is going to be negative, though, okay? Y'all ready? Uh, it's not like you never heard me say nothing negative <laughs> so far in my preaching. Might as well, you know. I lose people, I lose people, you know. Verse 26. The Bible says, it is good. Read that. That a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he what? Bear, bear, bear the yoke in his youth. Look at this. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence. Why? Because he hath borne it upon him. He put it on himself. So he shuts his mouth. He putteth his mouth in the dust. If so be, there may be hope. And guess what? He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is full, filled full with reproach. Man, what a, th what a thing, man. <laughs> that ain't an encouraging passage. You know what that shows? Basically that it's good that I just sit down and shut up. And if I deserve a smack in my face, then I deserve it. That's my second point. Harsh in our punishment. You know what your problem is? You live in a spoiled generation that uh, you're used to a thing of escaping punishment, not bearing punishment. You understand what I just said? We live in a spoiled generation because we don't like anything negative or anything that hurts our pain. But one thing you have to understand and this will help you immensely to encourage you, to comfort you. You know why you're never comforted? You're never encouraged? Because you don't accept the negative thing in your life to begin with. You don't think that that's reality and you deserved it. That's why you never get comforted. You never get blessed. You expect everything to go well, and if it doesn't go as well as your level of well, it has to be better, then even if God did that, you're not content with that. And then you expect God to just keep making things better and better for you. What happened to sin and the consequences of it? Come on. Yeah, that's, good. that's the reality. The reality is, is that you shouldn't 
uh, run away. You shouldn't complain. You shouldn't cry. You shouldn't shift blame. The common sense thing is that if you've done something wrong, eat it. Eat it. And swallow it up. And yeah, it'll give you indigestion. But let it sit and run down. Because you deserved it. And guess what? Your preacher here deserved it. Look at verse 39. Verse 39. Now, let's, uh, before I read verse 39, let's use common sense. Verse 26. Verse 26 says it is good, right? If you go through punishment that you put up with it, you bear it. Isn't that what the verse said? You think God's going to say, it is bad that a man should what? Put up with the punishment? No, it's, it's common sense that it's good. That if you, if you get punished for what you justly deserve, you accept it. That's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. Look, man, if you get all the blame, if you get all the punishment, if all the people get angry at you and stuff like that, guess what? You got to say, man, you know, that's what I deserve. You can't just run away and then expect, oh, forgiveness and stuff like that. No, you deserved it because... If, the problem is, see, people don't really believe in what they deserved, in the bad things they've done. If you have the mentality, it's going to change your life. And they'll make you more content with what you have and rejoice more that, hey, you could have deserved worse, but God didn't give it to you. And you would be looking at more of your blessings more rather than every single bad thing that goes on in your life. Now look at verse 39, 39. This is a great verse to memorize, all right? Now I've said this before in my teaching, but this is a good verse to memorize. I wouldn't tell you to memorize if I didn't believe in it, <laughs> if I had this problem, right? God, why did this happen? You know, Lord, I worked so hard for you, and I'm a pastor, and then, you know, and then, wherefore doth the living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Gene, remember when you messed up here? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, God, say no more. I'll shut up. Wherefore doth a living man complain a man for the punishment of his sins? How can you complain? No one has the right to complain. And that is going to help you. That is going to help you. The reason why you're miserable and sad and depressed is you always complain about the punishment of your sins. Rather than accepting the punishment. I mean, let's be honest. Who loves to get le lectured? Raise your hand right here, you know? If you're a kid, who likes mom and dad lecturing you? If you're under an Asian home or maybe a Korean home, all right? How many of you like to be lectured by mom and dad? Put your hand down, man. All right? Don't you dare raise your hand, all right? You're not right with God. <laughs> man, no one likes to get lectured, man. No one likes to get lectured. Who likes to get preached at? Well, obviously all of you, so that's why you came here. I don't know why, you know. I don't know why you love to get preached at for something, you know, that you're all rotten, you're miserable, and you deserve hell fire. I don't know what's the matter with you. You guys are the craziest people in this world, man. Only Christians are the idiots doing that, right? Wow. Are the, you know, how many of you like to get lectured? How many of you like to get punished for the sin that you've done? Common sense, nobody does. Nobody likes that. So what's the, you know what the immediate reaction is that I noticed in my life and that I noticed in other people's lives? What I notice about myself, and if you were to look at yourself, you notice this too, is that when the lecture happens or when the punishment rises up or something that you deserve is pointed out, then what happens is the complaint comes out about, there should be more compassion right there. You are just too harsh to me. Or that uh, we try to make excuses, right? Or we would try to run away from it, right? Or we would cry and whine about it that it's just so hopeless and there's nothing that can be done. You know what those attitudes are, those reactions? You don't really believe you deserved. You really don't believe that you deserve the bad things that happened to you. That's what the attitude is. Now... The thing is, let me give you an example, all right? Let's say there was a criminal. Now, let me bring up a really bad person, all right? A murderer, okay? Let's say this uh, murderer, he brutally just tortured somebody, 
And there was even something sexual involved that was horrible. And so he was about to be either put to death or to get a life sentence. Now, you and I, we would common sense think that that would be understandable, right? That would be understandable. That, you know, if a person did such a horrible thing to a little child, you and I would agree that the person deserved the punishment. But uh, let me ask you this question. Would you say that if the court was to put him through a death sentence or a life sentence, would you say, well, the court was a, was a little too harsh on that murder? No! What kind of idiot in the courtroom when the judge says, okay, you get uh, sentenced for life, you're going to say, that's just too mean. Who's the idiot who's going to say that, right? No one would dare. No one would dare do that, right? You know why? Because you'd feel ashamed and embarrassed how other people will think of you when you say that. Because you know that there was proper justice done and you don't want to be the fool that says, well, I think he should get a pass when he commits something horrible. But uh, this is what I don't understand is that it's not understandable if uh, the same person who committed the crime that says, well, I don't deserve it and you should, like, uh, let me go. And No, it's definitely not understandable. It's incomprehensible. Hence, it is incomprehensible to me how people can do that with their sin. It is not understandable in my mind. I do not understand how people can think that when there is punishment sent from God, that they don't accept it. That they think that there should be a better way around it. How can you think that way? That is incomprehensible. You might say, well, I'm not like that murderer. I didn't kill or do something horrendous like that. Yeah, but guess what? I bet you that murderer is like you in trying to get, find a complaint, blaming someone, running away. Why? Because the point of the matter is people do these things when it comes to their sin, no matter how little or how big it is. Because, guess what? Ask every prisoner over there. They'll always blame it on the, on, oh, my history, or, you know, the things in this world, or, you know, the people that I hung around with, or I was just forced to do that. That's everybody's excuse. Ask every prisoner. See if they deserve to end up in there. Ask every single prisoner. They're going to give a story. That's why they have to have courtroom cases. Why? They want a way out. See, this, you're no different from the prisoner. You know what you all share in reaction? It's not the same level of sin. You all share sin in general. And what you share is this attitude that I don't really deserve all that. And you don't accept it. Look at verse 39 again. Let it weigh on your mind. Wherefore doth a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins. Whatever bad thing that's going on in your life, and then when you realize that's a punishment from God, let me tell you something. You better stop whining and complaining about it because don't make God's mercy on you lower. Remember, God is merciful to you, right? God's been merciful in trying to let you keep some things that you have, let you live and breathe and the health that you have, and given you some blessings even. I, if I were you, I would not dare complain to him or complain about my punishment because that might just tick God off a, a bit more and he might just say, well, he looks like you don't, you're not grateful for my mercy. All right, then I'm going to lower it then. Verse 31. Let me encourage you now, all right? Phew. All right. Let me encourage you now a bit, all right? 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Now, isn't that encouraging? Look at verse, remember I told you, I preached hard at verse 30. He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full with reproach. That's what you're doing. And that's what I'm telling you to do as well. And I'm telling you to accept that, right? But immediately God says, you know why you should do that? Because for the Lord will not cast off forever. That should encourage you. You know why you should accept your pain? You should uh, go through the punishment of your sin because God's not going to do that forever. Amen. There's an end. There's an end. But it doesn't end where you want it. It ends when you go through it. This is the end here. End is not here where you are. 
And you're going, you need to go through that punishment and then you need to reach that end. Not like, I want to end here, Lord. No, you have to, what happened to punishment? Reaping what you've sown and stuff like that. What, you deserve it. And what happened to waiting and patience? If righteous people have to do that through their pain, I don't understand why wicked people can't do that. I mean, you're no better than them, obviously. You're worse. If You should have a longer waiting time compared to righteous people. So you have to realize that we can't despair about the punishment of our sins. Just bear it and go through it because the good news is God doesn't like punishing. Can I repeat that again? Looks like some of you don't get this. God does not get a thrill, man, to beat the life out of you or see you sad. That don't thrill his soul. That don't make him happy. Who do you think God is? God's not the type, I can't wait for you to sin and then bam. What, who do you think God is? I mean, God's not that type of God. It grieves him. It grieves him that you're his child and the child is going through pain and hurt. And not only that, he's a part of you. You know that? The Holy Spirit is a part of you. So whatever you're feeling, Jesus knows what you're feeling. The Spirit senses that. It, it doesn't make God happy. It grieves him. It hurts him when the child is in tears or in pain and then says, I'm sorry, and then, you know, recognizes the punishment that he or she is going through that they, that they deserve it. And that don't make God happy. So guess what? The hope is, see, he doesn't like punishment, so it's very possible. He's going to stop short. He's going to stop it short. He's going to stop it short. That's why you need to go through it. But I'll tell you what will not stop short. Not a child. Uh, think about it. If you have a child, all right, and then that child messes up in his or her sin, all right, and then you put, you make them go through the punishment, and then you see day after day that child weeping and being in pain, and then recognizing that he or she is wrong, and then keep saying I'm sorry to you. I mean, you don't have a heart after that to keep like uh, beating the life or uh, you know. Sticking them to the room or anything horrible to them, right? Of course, no one gets a thrill out of that. I can't wait to beat you up. What in the world, man? No, you, not when the child's like that. But I'll tell you something. It sure builds up, uh, it sure encourages you to keep up the discipline. If that same bratty child of yours start whining about it, totally unrecognizes the punishment, starts shifting the blame at something else, Sure, don't encourage you to stop the discipline. But I'll tell you what, you, you want to get on your dad's good side up there? I'll tell you what, here's a secret, all right? Here's a secret, all right? This is what you need to know about the Lord, all right? Just repent and be sincere and get right with God and go through the pain. And then just tell it to Jesus to prayer. Maybe he'll stop a little short. And maybe he might give you a big blessing just around the corner. So go through the punishment. And by the way, one more tip. Don't complain. Please don't. Good advice. No. I went through that. All right. My third point. Let's look at verse 40. Verse 40. My third point. Now, this is what you need to do. Help in our prayer. Help in our prayer. If you lack a prayer life, you're not going to help yourself. Look at verse 40. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. You see that? It's examination of self. It's that repentance. It's that prayer. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. See that? There's prayer. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Boy, that's tough. See, God's not pardoning the Jews for their sin, what they did. Alright? That's got to be tough. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Well, that's discouraging, right? See, no matter how many times you beg and weep and pray, it's like the Lord's angry at you still. He's not pitying you. Verse 44, Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. It's like as if God just locked up heaven and your prayer is just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back to you. Not going through the Lord. 
Thou hast made us as the offscurring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Wow, now you got the enemies coming out against you too. That ain't fun. Fear and a snare has come upon us. Desolation and destruction. Mine eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Mine eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intermission. Till, 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 till the Lord look down and behold from heaven. Amen. You know what you need help on? You need to keep praying. You need to keep weeping. You need to keep repenting. Yeah, that's right. And then the Lord's going to block it off and He's going to let you go through the punishment of your sins because you deserve it. But man, that father's heart of his is going to get grieved. And he's going to know that this child sincere wants to get right. Maybe I should transform and change all the bad things that the child's going through. Verse 40 through 41 is so important, that's why. So, you know how to do that? You need to first do this, alright? Ready? Alright? Now, if there's something you want to do at the altar call, it's this one, okay? 40 and 41. Let us search... And try our ways. You know what that means? That means test myself. Put me to the test. And turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. You know how you can get God to answer your prayer finally? To get the punishment off of you? Ready for this? You need to. When you got the time right now after preaching. Or you know, every day in your life I recommend. Okay? In the morning and in the evening is to always search yourself on what you messed up in that day. Alright? Not your great-great-grandfather or your dog, your, something else, me, alright? You need to look at yourself, only you, if there are some sins that you can't think about. It doesn't dawn on your mind and you're struggling. I simply say, Lord, if there's any other sin that I've done against you that I don't remember, please help me recall it. Help me know it so I can repent, confess it, and wash it away with the blood. Uh, have your son wash it away with the blood. And by the way, when your sin does get pointed out by the Lord through your prayer, you better accept that. You better recognize that so you can confess that too. Amen. So that is extremely important to do. So that's what I do. I don't know if you noticed in your memory verse, but you're going to memorize this soon in your memory verse, is that, uh, is that the psalmist prayed, if there's any secret fault that I don't know about, cleanse it away from me. Let me know of it. Why do you think David was still a man after God's own heart, even through adultery and murder? Because he had that attitude, that humility, that prayer. 42 through 49, which we read, no matter how many days have passed or how long we pray or how hard we repent with tears, it seems like God's not answering, right? Verse 42 through 49, it seems like that. that how many of you feel like, now don't raise your hands, obviously, how many of you feel like verse 42 through 49? Like you prayed, you prayed, you prayed, you thought of every sin to confess, you started to live right for the Lord and stuff like that. But he just does not answer you. And you need to read verse 42 through 49. And then verse 50. Till the Lord finally hears you. And sees you. And accepts it. And says, okay, let's end the punishment. That's what you should be doing. Because like I told you before, if you keep doing that with God, the Lord will put an end. The Lord will finally recognize your repentance and sincerity. And then He'll end it. He'll stop it. That's what you need to do. Don't give up. You need, if I were you, I'd keep praying, confessing, and repenting. I'd say, Lord, I know the bad things I'm going through right now is what I deserve. And I read what Father, please forgive me. I'm sincerely sorry. Forgive me for my pride, for my arrogance, my stubbornness, my lust my weakness, my discouragement, uh, Lord, and then just confess everything. And just keep doing that with the Lord until finally the Lord will take away your punishment. You might say, really, he does that? Yeah, 
based on two things. You ready? Depending on your sincerity and the situation. If the situation calls for it to the Lord where he works it all out and your sincerity is genuine, he's going to lift it up one day. Let me give you two cases. Uh, if you, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but in 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David, he committed adultery and murder. And then God says, I'm going to take away the life of your baby. And then David, what did he do? He prayed and wept. And then he kept doing it and doing it and doing it, but then the Lord took the child home. And then what did David do? He stopped crying, weeping, repenting, and then just uh, started to live normally. And the people asked him, why are you living normal now? Why, why did you weep before when the child was alive, but you don't weep after when the child's dead? That don't make sense. And David explained, because who knows if God would show me grace and let the child live. But now he's dead. It's done. So see, David knew that if he kept being sincere with the Lord, maybe the situation would work out where God would spare the child. But God didn't spare the child. Why? The situation was too deep where all of David's enemies and the people knew. And God's like, no, a price must be paid for. Well, you know what? God blessed him with another baby. So he still blessed David nevertheless. It was through Solomon's line. And not only that, two of David's line, where the messianic line came from. See, God puts blessings even though he puts punishment. David was counting his blessings, not his punishments. You need to do that. See, it comes through constant prayer and repentance. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, we're not going to turn there for time's sake, but these people were evil people. Like they killed, they enslaved Jews, they just... Uh, uh, stick them on stakes, actually. Like, stuck their bodies through the stakes like that. So then, God, he was going to destroy Nineveh for their wickedness. But you know what the people of Nineveh did? They prayed to God with tears that, Lord, don't send the judgment on us. Take it away. An evil, wicked city. You know what God did? God didn't send them the punishment that time. Why? He recognized their sincerity. And you remember what God said to Jonah when Jonah said, they deserve the punishment. God didn't share the same heart as Jonah. Oh, you deserve punishment. I want to punish you. No, you know what God says? Look at all those people down there. You're telling me where thousands of people are going to lose their lives? I don't take pleasure in that. See? So God took away their punishment. Why? Because they were sincere in their repentance. But guess what? Their difference with David is. David later got the blessing. Nineveh later got the punishment. And they were wiped out. Why? Their, repent, their sincere repentance didn't last. Later on, God took away Nineveh. You know what? God is a matter of fairness. Every situation he decides to bless and to judge and he times it all right. Because why? Everybody's situation is different. And everybody's level of sincerity is different too. And God knows every one of that. So that's why, if I were you, I'd repent if I were you. Just keep praying. Don't give up. Because God's going to look at your sincerity. He's going to see if you're genuinely repenting. And He's going to see, uh, see if you're really trying to live right for Him. And don't quit on that. If you keep doing that, He's going to eventually cast up, lift the curse. He's going to finally lift the curse. Now, there might be a final complaint, which can be under, uh, which might come to a point, and I'm, I said this one time to myself too shamefully, because I'm not the greatest Christian in the world. But even with all this, there's a point in my life that I say, you know, I just can't bear the punishment of my sins. I just can't. Sounds nice and good, but I just can't. Well, there's a story. A long time ago, there was a being who created heaven and earth and everything that there is. And you know, uh, he loved us so much and he gave us the best, but mankind let him down and, you know, they sinned against him. And then out of pity, you know, that being decided to become human flesh like us. And at the age of 33, he came down here on this earth. He was framed by the Sanhedrin and he was tortured and put to death. You know, he didn't have to go through such a bloody mess on the cross. Why? 
because he did not deserve the punishment for any sin he committed. Instead, he was bearing the punishment of somebody else's sins. And he was gritting his teeth for somebody else's sin. And he was the one in Lamentations that just shut his mouth, as the Bible said, Isaiah 53, and let all the punishment come upon him when it was not his to begin with. He never blamed anybody. He never uh, talked about, you know, about, oh, this is the type of person I am, his personality, history, or finding somebody else to blame, or complaining, or whining, or it's too unbearable. He took it for somebody else's punishment and sin. He took it when they whipped him to the point of tearing off his skin and slicing his muscles wide open. I can imagine the devil telling him, you don't deserve this punishment. Let those human sinners bear the punishment of their own sins instead. But Jesus said, yeah, this punishment's not mine, but I'll bear the punishment of their sins because I love them. I can imagine when they uh, gushed the crown of thorns on his heads and blood gushed out and then the thorns just pressed against his brain. The devil told him, you don't deserve this punishment. Let those human sinners bear the punishment of their own sins instead. But Jesus said, yeah, this punishment's not mine, but I'll bear the punishment of their sins because I love them. And I can imagine those huge spikes thrusting down through the hands and the feet of my Savior who did no wrong and no sin. And then the devil said, you don't deserve this punishment. Come on, let those human sinners rot in their punishment. They deserve punishment. Let them suffer for it. And Jesus said, yeah. Yes, this punishment is not mine. It's theirs. And I can put all the blame on them and find reasons to complain. But you know what? I'll bear the punishment of their sins because I love them. When Christ was punished for our sins, our sins, not his own, he cried with bitter tears for God to hear him. But you know what? God forsook him. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Jesus understands, of course, when you pray to him and the Lord doesn't seem to answer because of the sins. But guess what? Jesus knows God forsook him. You got the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're just going through a temporary shunning moment where the Lord's punishing you. You know, when you are punished for your own sins, not for somebody else's, for your own sins, you cried with bitter tears for God to hear you. God, I repent, I repent, I, I want to get right. Save myself, save my life, save my home, save my family, save my friends, save everything around me. Lord, save my job, save my school, save everything that I have. God heard every bit of what you said, and he never forsook you. And he says, wait, in time, I will use it for something else. All things work together for good Amen. to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, what I don't, if you have the attitude, I cannot bear the punishment of my own sins, I can't help you. The only thing I can say is this, is that Jesus Christ full well knows what you went through and went through worse than you did. So, I mean, if the Savior did that for your sins, by the way, your sins, why can't you, uh, if he bore your sins, why can't you bear your own? And he didn't just bear your sins, he bore everybody else's. And he did it out of love for you. Every head bow and every eye shut, the altar call is open. I think some of you might be going through pain. I don't know what pain you're going through. I don't know what's uh, reaping what you're sowing or what the Lord is judging you in. Maybe this sermon doesn't apply to you. But I know it will save your life one day because it saved mine. And I know that uh, in time, there's going to come a point in your life you're going to be distressed and without hope and depressed and discouraged. And what you need is hope. And what you need is to believe in His promise. And you need to know that God Himself knows your hurt and was, went through worse hurt than you did. And, he, and you know what? He'll lift the curse. But that comes through an acceptance of your judgment. 
an acceptance, a recognition of your sin issue, and just constant repentance. Don't feel overtly guilty. Look, we've all sinned, all right? Don't let that overt guilt ruin your hope. Don't let guilt take away your encouragement. Don't let discouragement ruin the promise that God has given to you. You need to realize you have a loving Father. You have a loving Father. And He doesn't want to let judgment land upon His child. But remember this judgment must come because you deserved it justly. When you come with that acceptance to Him and then you repent and you're sincere and you don't quit repenting. You kept repenting, praying, getting right with the Lord and accepting the judgment day after day after day after day. And then it seems like God doesn't hear you. It seems like God is not there for you. Just like you read at the book of Lamentations. And until till God looks down from heaven and breaks the curse. Whenever you get to a point that you feel like you cannot bear the punishment of your sin, remember this. Jesus bore the punishment of your sin, not his own. You're bearing yourself, okay? You're bearing yourself. Jesus bore yours. He bore yours. Remember what he went through, what God went through, so God understands. But you got the promise. Jesus did not get that promise. But Jesus tore it through. He gritted his teeth. He went through the pain and the punishment of sin when it was not his. I want to give some people some time. It looks like some people are praying, but I want to make sure that everyone is saved because that's the most important, so I'll do that now. If you're to die right now, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Some of you might not be sure. Right now would be a great time to get saved right now. I don't want you to die in your sin and burn in hell. Three easy steps. First step, you got to know that you can't go to heaven. You're going to burn in hell. And I'd say, why? Why? Because you sinned. Simple. Sin. Let's be honest, you and I have sinned before. Everyone's sinned. So, for point number one. Point number two, Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. You heard that story a thousand times, but you don't know the reason why he did that. Because of your sin. Sin puts you to hell. Jesus had to go through that horrible punishment so that he can take away your sin. Only his blood can wash away your sin. See that? That's why he went through that pain. So his blood can wash away your sin. So then, why do people feel like, well, for me to go to heaven, I have to clean up my sin, I have to go to church, I have to be a good Christian, I have to do good things for the Lord. What are you talking about? Jesus paid the price. Jesus died on the cross to take away every sin that you've done in your life. So that's the third point. Third point is simply relying on that, believing on that. That alone, that's it. That only by his death, burial, resurrection, that act that Jesus did, that's the only thing that can clear away your sin and take you to heaven. You might say, well, I believe and rely on it. Then say it to the Lord. That's all you have to do. If you don't know how to say it to God, I can help you. I'll give you the words and you can repeat after me. And you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it to yourself. You can say it this way and mean it. Dear God, I repent as a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected. So his blood can wash away my sin. I only trust in that alone to save me. Not my good works. In Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. If you could bow your head and close your eyes one last time, please, one last time. If anyone uh, prayed that prayer with me, could you just slip up your hand real br briefly? I'm not going to point out who you are. Every head is bowed and every eye is shut. This is totally private, confidential. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. God bless you. The most important thing, you're not going to regret. Who regrets? Who is ashamed to get saved? I, th th that's not a decision you regret. It's the best thing you ever make in your life. God, my Father, as I close in prayer, I pray that today's preaching has touched and helped people. Uh, I know that I have my sin issues, and there are so many times I want to quit and turn back, but because I had hope 
and what you promised to me in your word, it kept me breathing and going. And you blessed me so much. My sins outweighs my good deeds that I've done for you. But Lord, your blessings sure outnumber the bad that I've done. All the punishment that I justly deserve. Thank you for being a gracious, merciful God. And I pray that you'll do so upon these precious people, Lord. They're your children. Shed grace and mercy. Prove yourself to them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.